Hey, hey, hey. It's Sunday morning. And it is 726. And the sun is just getting ready to rise here in Phoenix, Arizona. It's 51 degrees. Not too bad. This is Buddy's owner, Arizona Schnoodle Walks. And the most recent thought I had is, do dogs have a sense of humor, right? Huh, bud? Do you have a, are you, do you have a sense of humor? I just don't think dogs have a sense of humor, right? <laughs> I mean, we love the bud here. Bud is really cool. And uh, we're out for our morning walk. Yeah. What are you doing, bud? Let's not go uphill, bud. Let's go back. Let's go down. Let's go downhill, dude. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Here we are. So, do dogs have a sense of humor? That sounds like a good podcast. We probably won't talk about it much more than that, but... Do dogs, do dogs have a sense of humor? So, what's in it for you today? What's in it for you? The the sun is just coming up, and um, I always get fascinated by some peculiar things. So, when everyone knows, well, not everyone, December twenty first is the shortest day of daylight. And last year, last couple of years, I've kind of discovered, like, it's kind of weird because as the days get longer, my default thought would be if, let's say, for example, now there's 10 more minutes more of daylight. And I would think, well, that's probably just even it out, like five minutes earlier in the morning and five minutes later at night. But because of the Earth's curvature and rotations or something, something weird happens. It's actually, um, it is now, we say, 25, 45 is 20 minutes. So it's like, it's like 22 minutes longer at sunset. But the morning hasn't really changed much. It's still sunrise. It's still around 7.30. So... The day, all the extra light, the extra 20 some minutes of light is all in the evening. It's all in sunset, which is kind of fun because that's kind of a nice place to have some extra light. But it may explain some, some of the slower, slower getting up in the morning, right? So like there's a mental psychological thing that happens and it's like, well, it's six in the morning. Now, most of you have this stinking daylight savings time, which messes it all up, right? So for you, it's hard for you to like have a natural experience with it because all of a sudden in the fall, they set the clocks back an hour and that just kind of like screws everything up. And I'm sure there's all kinds of articles about it. Google it, the impacts. And most people just, we just get it. We Like most anything, you just get over it. You just deal with it, right? So you're just dealing with daylight savings. You just have, there's no, you don't get a choice in it, right? <laughs> so you just deal with it. So I'm kind of in a good mood. I don't, you know, like, why am I in a good mood? Do you, do you pay attention to your moods? Like I'm, 
I'm a mood swinger, I'd say. You know, it's like, definitely that's me. And, you know, is it, you know, there's a couple of ways to look at it. Like, do you want to have, like, stable moods? Like, just totally stable? You know, never changing mood? Or is it better to have a little bit of up and down? And graphically, because I'm an engineer, if you look at it, you'd probably want an average mood that's positive, right? So you want to have an upbeat, positive mood. Now, the thing with swinging, mood swingers is like you could have really up mood, and then you have a down mood. Morning. What's happening today for you? Oh, is today the P.F. Chang's Marathon? Oh, fun. This is a great day for it. It's not too cold, right? I, I did it once when it was like 26 at this time. Like 20, yeah. it's like too cold. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> I did it when, um, how many years ago now? 10 years ago. And um, it was cold in the morning. But you okay. have to wear the layers and yeah. like that. Yeah. Maybe that was the same one I did. It was about 10 years ago. Yeah. Well, I did it like 2007 or something yeah, like that. But, but anyway, it was, it's always, be, it, by the time you get to like quarter way in, oh, yeah. you're like looking around going like, yeah. Yeah. I live in a better place, you know. It's and such a, music going and... well, it's such a great accomplishment for people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I miss did it. I've done, yeah, I've actually, I, I tell people I've ran, well, no. I finished four marathons, but I feel like I've never run them because I always end up walking. So I would tr- try it sometime. You know, it's. Yeah, I'm on, I would be the New York City one. Okay. Because I love the neighborhood. Oh I yeah. yeah. I would just have to dress warm because I did not run the whole. Thing. Is it? It's in the fall though, like October, I think. November. Oh, is it that late? Oh, okay. So you really have to dress like winter. And then, like I said, I would not run the whole thing because I don't want to train for 26. But I'll walk on it. But over that bridge, there was no way I could run. <laughs> oh, is the bridge like, like you, yeah. have to, you have to go like this? Like yeah. The... yeah. Okay. Well, so you're going to have a great day today then. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do that for another few hours. That's okay. So what do you do? Do you go like at just the finish line or are you going halfway and then go to the end? I'm going to watch somebody. Oh. Usually I run it, so I yeah. have the map. Okay. I'm probably going to go yeah, halfway and, and then, then go to the yeah. end. Yeah. It's in Tempe. Yeah. So I'm like, I'll just, all the roads will be closed, but I'll park somewhere and then just walk around. And I have done that, so I'll meet her. And I have her, um, the one that I'm really following, which is her name. Oh, do, GPS her, now? Yeah. And I have her oh. Twitter. So she's connected to my Twitter account now. I, I, um, I get the link, so I will know exactly where she is. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. We did that for 20 even 10 years ago when I was doing it because I remember my sister in New York, I gave her a code and it would text you. Oh. Where, like, it said, like, I finished mile one because they had those things. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it would say, I finished mile one, I finished mile So she followed me the whole time, my sister. She's oh, that's like, great. Was done, like, she sent me a text. She's like, come on, She's all the way on the other side of the country, so. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. I feel good to hear that that's happening today. It's a yeah, good thing. Good. Have a great day. You too. Yeah, P.F. Chang's Marathon. I don't know if they call it P.F. Chang's anymore. but Yeah, you heard me. I, I've finished four marathons, but I still haven't run one. I get bogged down. I think I've talked about that before. 
you know, get to mile 16, 17, and it's like, holy crap, I got another 10 miles to go. <laughs> 10 miles. I haven't ran 10 miles in a long time. I've done five, but that's a start. But let's see. I remember I was probably 40, was it 43? Probably did my best. Four hours and 20 minutes. That's my personal best, my PR in the lingo, the PR. So, yeah, today's a day. Probably 20, 30,000 people running. And can I think about somebody besides myself, right? So let me think. <laughs> think about these 20,000 people that have been training for weeks. A lot of them raising money, you know, for like even my son had leukemia. So that, um, uh, what do they call that again? The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, LLS. They have a team in training, a good program to raise money. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's not all about me, is it? But that, I guess these podcasts are sort of about me. But I want to make them about you too, right? So we're all part of the... Uh, all part of this is it an experiment <laughs> that's we're all part of the same concentration camp as like so i'd say in my 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 uh i don't know what that is so it's you know it's not a negative view is it and uh here's mike and hey mike hi how are you doing good where are you are you off to the marathon Mountain Park early service. Oh yeah, we got to get there to get those soft, comfortable. Okay. Michael, you know. All right. <laughs> well, have fun. Say hi to Alan Fuller for me. Yeah, we will. <laughs> you say hi to Christine for us. Okay. All okay. right. Well, that's more likely, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's Mike Carter and Vicky. Bud, what do you want to do? You want to go through the gate, this big, big car gate? How about that? Yeah, you'll do that. Good job, bud. So, early morning Sunday. And I guess the downer side, the mood. I was talking about mood swings. So, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think mood swings are kind of okay. It's just um, we're all different, right? I guess we're all different. So I I can go from a lower mood to an upper mood. And there's a word like they call it like a buzzkill, like so-and-so is such a buzzkill. And I do not want to be a buzzkill, but I guess if I'm in a low mood, then I would be a buzzkill. But it's unfortunate that some people like have their their average mood is in the buzz kill mode, right? Their low mood, or they're just different, right? They're just like have this. I don't know what it is. It's like they don't they're not socially aware of other people, and uh, you know it's about taking interest in other people, right? And I kind of do that in a social setting. I'm uh, 
what do they call it? That's an includer. That's right. I've been talking about this includer thing. And that's kind of the, the Clifton Strengths thing has been helpful. I, I hope I can articulate it. But it's, it's, I'm just fascinated by the, my lack of interest in harmony. <laughs> I'm not a harmonious person. And I was just describing that to my friend of mine. Like, like people, people can see the includer, right? They go like, oh, yeah, I see. Like I told a friend of mine, I haven't talked to him in a while. It's like, because he's, I've been at diddy par- dinner parties. I've been invited to their like dinner parties. And it doesn't matter who they invite over. You know, I, I just like interested in people, right? So I just like ask questions and show interest in, in other people. Because people like to, love to talk about themselves, right? I mean, you know, so that's who I am, right? I, that's what I do. I'm an includer, right? But this harmony thing just baffles me because you'd think the natural instinct would say like, well, if you want to include everybody, then you must be harmonious and trying to smooth things out. But actually, I don't care. It's a weird thing. How can that be? How can I be so lacking in harmony? So like the this uh, strengths thing, I guess you could probably it's just a framework, right? Because they have 34 strengths. So everything's a framework, and unfortunately, in, in life. And I, as much as I resist it, they're useful. They can be useful. So I'm not harmonious. So I'm like, I think that explains why I'm so, quote unquote, argumentative, right? So like, because I'm not harmonious, and somebody states an opinion... You know, and that's why people say, oh, you're contrarian. Well, I guess contrarian would be someone that's not, to someone that's harmonious. Like if you have a strength of harmony, we're probably going to have, like, baffle each other, you know. And since I'm the lowest on harmony, like everybody has more harmon- harmony than I do. <laughs> so, so you're listening to this thing. You are such, you're so harmonious. And that's your strength. I just don't have it. And so I need, you know, they say on these strength things, what a good team is to be balanced. And if we acknowledge it, like I think people get confused. If you're high in harmony, then you would be like, what the hell? What's going on with this guy, man? The dude has got like zero interest in harmony. He's just pissing everybody off, blah, blah, blah. And yet he says that he's an includer. What? what? Doesn't he know that if he's harmonious, that he would be including more, right? That's the view. That's what I think a view of somebody with harmony would say. Oh, he says he wants to be include everyone, but he's such an ass. (laughs) And and I think I figured it out now. I kind of like, I do want to include everybody, right? So if somebody expresses an opinion, a strong opinion, I'm thinking of people that are left out, right? So one of the things about an includer is they're concerned about people that are being left out. So when somebody has a strong opinion about something, I I kind of recognize it as like, well, that's your opinion and um, I get it, but you know, you're going to be leaving people out if we have to believe your opinion, right? Like, if I have to believe your opinion about this, 
and we all line up behind your opinion, well, then we're going to be leaving people out, right? So I don't want to leave people out. So if I hear somebody expressing a strong opinion about something, I usually start thinking like, well, what's wrong with that opinion and try to balance it out. But what they see from me is just argumentative. And now maybe I need to reframe my discussion. So one of the things with my strategic thinking is I'm like, usually I'm like way ahead of people and not in a, like I'm better than them opinion. It's just my brain thinks through all kinds of crap and I'm like, okay, this is the answer. We're not going to make that opinion so important because it's going to exclude people, right? So I have to diminish other people's strong opinions. So that's why I have an issue with quote unquote authority. That's what this church guy said this week, elder, you know, he's like, obey your leader, (laughs) obey your leaders and submit to them. And it's like, it's just his way of like pushing me away because I actually had to ask him. So, so what am I not obeying, dude? Like your, your unspoken quest for harmony. Is that it? Is that it? I bet you're very harmonious, aren't you? Well, he's not, you doesn't have the language. So I'm, I'm labeling him as, I, I bet you if he took the test, he would probably be pretty high in harmony. I just think that's what the guy's image is. Everybody loves the guy, you know? I kind of love him too until he starts pushing back on my, my, my arguments on his strong opinions, right? Because the strong opinions exclude people, right? It doesn't matter. Like if you have a strong opinion about the New York Yankees, you have a strong opinion about some musical band or group, you know, and you have a, and it's like, you just love this thing and you think everybody should love this group. Right. So, I mean, I have an element of that too. So I, I love Mindy Abair, jazz saxophone player. I think she's wonderful. Right. And I can tell lots of people, I can tell a hundred people that, and maybe three will go like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. You know? So, but, so I do a little bit of the opinion promoting too but i'm just learning about myself here's some self-awareness that i'm perceived as an ass when someone has a strong opinion and i challenged it (laughs) and i already knew that i'm a debater right from like myers-briggs debater and and yet the Myers-Briggs didn't really give me an indication that one of the reasons I might be debating things is because I want to include everybody, right? And so in my book writing venture, it's also been my, my struggle is that I want this book to be for everybody, right? And, and writing people in the writing community are like laughing. It's like, dude, no, you're not writing a book for everybody. So maybe I'm writing a book for frustrated includers with no, with lack of harmony. There's there's probably a lot of us out there, right? Maybe a million people who just don't recognize it because you need the language. We need the language of includer, harmony. If you, um, and see, then there's the, the harmony people that have no interest in including others, right? 
So if you have no interest, and most people, okay, since I'm high on includer, most people are probably less on includer. They don't care to include everybody. They get it. They're fine with, you know, my kid goes to the karate school. So we're going to have a little society of, of karate school families. Or we're on travel baseball. So we're having a little community of the travel baseball club. And, oh, there were uh, travel softball, travel soccer, travel this. And you, so you form a little temporary group because at the time you think it's you're going to be hanging out with these people forever. But pretty much once your kids, you know, leave four years of soccer, you pretty much may not see those people again. So it's okay to exclude people when you're doing stuff like that. But for me, when you start talking about God, who I know includes everyone. <laughs> so I'm, I'm with God. He includes everybody. There's no exclusion. So that's one of my strengths is inclusion. And I'm in my head. So yesterday I was, I did some painting and I noticed my energy level. So people talk about this a lot. Like when you're, when you're zone, for me, I'm a thinker. And I realize with my wife, she's like a, she's like wants to get stuff done and she organizes stuff. And she's okay with like cleaning the kitchen and like reorganizing. And she she did a great job yesterday. Of, and if I as long as I notice we're different and she has different strengths, she's operating in her zone. She's energized to do that stuff. I'm not. So I had to. It was a chore for me to do painting yesterday. So I painted a couple walls, and I recognized okay, I need to do some manual labor, do some physical stuff, work with my hands. But it's not my thing. I don't get energized by it. And that should be okay. It's like, we can't do it all, people, right? We need each other. We just can't do it all. So that's my content. I have content for you. That's content. So yesterday I started doing the practicing of, so tell me, what's your book about? Type of thing, And I did some short versions of talking about it. And I, and I still haven't, because I was painting, I might have been tempted to say, no, but I'm not going to paint these walls, honey. I need to think. <laughs> and that just pisses her off, right? So if I just do the painting and I skip the uh, writing out scripts, like a one-minute script and a three-minute, I have time to do that. I'll work on it. And uh, so, yeah. I got to start practicing that. And I might want to do one now too, just to keep in the mode. You know, of, uh, like, so what's your book about? And uh, before I do that, I guess, you know, I keep, I, I did something in the last 12 hours. I, I said to myself, you know, uh, it's centered around this. Uh, elder, right? He's supposed to be a godly man. He's, he's very harmonious, right? A good guy. Um, but he doesn't get me. He doesn't understand me. I guess I confuse him. And so he's pissed off at me. You know? And he wants to justify his pissed off nature. And he just it seems like he just wants me to come to my senses. 
bow down to their crap, you know? Because I asked them, like, well, what? I am obeying my leaders. You guys haven't told me that what to do. <laughs> so this is my argumentative nature. It's like, dude, what command are you giving me? And if they tell me something stupid, I'm going to be like, well, see, that's a stupid command. I ain't doing it. I don't need to obey that. That's just a stupid thing. You just, they're just tired of me. I guess I wore them out, but they don't, they don't know how to communicate. And they don't go, see, my beef with this organized religion is like, I'm not gifted the way they're gifted. And this church is just too insular. They only recognize like certain gifts. Like if you do music, if you, you know, want to teach kids or something and just babysit kids and do that. Because I don't, I don't value that because my life experience said you can force kids to go to church when they're like first grade to eighth grade. And I've seen it firsthand. It doesn't impact the kids necessarily the way you might think it does. So if you take a hundred kids and you force them through first to eighth grade of quote unquote religious education. And we know that statistically they keep moaning about it. Like, Oh, 25%, only 25% of kids raised in the church after they go to college or uh, stay with the faith, you know, or the, the church, right? And it's usually the statistical denominational crap, right? And I think it's because you guys, you go first to eighth grade, you cram knowledge and information to the kids. And what kids want is love. What people want is relationships, Right. And these churches still don't get it. It's not that it's not that they just want it. It's like it's just natural that we would want love and uh, relationships. Yeah. And the church leadership's full of all these people with the strengths of commanding and leadership, right? And it's like they've got it figured out. And uh, you know. So, and it's just like, just get on with it, man. <laughs> it's the, just, you just got to believe the gospel. And I mentioned that earlier, and that still sticks with me. It's like, here the church is talking about the gospel unleashed, the book of Acts. And it dawned on me this week. It's like, no, 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 no. It's not the gospel unleashed. It's the Holy Spirit unleashed. It's not, it's not like Acts chapter one. Let's print up a, a gospel presentation tract that says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, and then they will tell them that, you know, by faith, you've been saved uh, as a gift of God, not by works, but by faith alone. So they can just dump all the info, the knowledge, the gospel knowledge right but it's the holy spirit that's unleashed and that is a relationship an actual relationship which people can say the words but how do you really describe it i mean you can everybody says these things even even as a guy is talking about the gospel being unleashed he still refers to the holy spirit as a secondary it's like 
secondary. And I'm like, oh, really? It's secondary, huh? <laughs> they won't say it's secondary, but they got to talk about the gospel. And I think they even had a training course yesterday about evangelism. And it's like, <laughs> here's this church that I say alienates people because they have to be right and they have to claim certain people are false teachers. So they just immediately alienate people who are open-minded to different things and are not going to believe just what a few guys that live in the deserts of Arizona say and go, oh, whoa, you guys in the desert of Arizona? Oh, you guys must have it all figured out. Oh, oh, your denomination goes back to 1850. Oh, that's great. Yeah, 1850. Oh, and you you were started by slave owners who wanted to twist the Bible into saying that slavery was okay. Oh, okay. Oh, but you, now you're beating yourself up over it. Oh, okay. So now you're beating yourself up because, you know, you thought that was wrong for slavery, but it all started because you twisted the Bible to be, so that was okay. So is it possible that you're still just twisting the Bible the way you want it to be? Oh, no, no, it can't be that. No, we moved on. We used to do that with slavery, you know, and, and so now we're so much better than that. So we're going to fix that. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I'm not from the South. I never, my family's never had slaves. So I really don't give a shit about your history, you know? And besides 1850 is really not that old. You know, we're talking about a 2000 year old story here, pal, not 1850 American. We own the gospel, <laughs> but that's, that's context. That's one of my strengths. Historic. I like to look back and learn from the past. So, yeah, is it my opinion? Yeah. Um, and when I frame it that way, am I right? Of course, I'm framing it. I'm framing it so that I'm right. Is someone going to argue and go, oh, no, that's not really the case. We, you know, we're, we're spirit-filled people, you know. Oh, are you? Are you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you just put in place an elder who um, claimed that I'm not, I, I was, uh, I uh, was laid off because I was sinning against the leadership of the church. <gasps> oh, wow. And more abuse, more abuse from the church leadership. <laughs> and I just had to put up with it. It's like emotionally, spiritually crushing people, you know, and this is in the mental realm. This is, this is like spiritual abuse in the mental realm because he's saying that I'm in my situation, circumstances, because I am unrepentant towards the leadership. And I'm still like, what am I, what command am I not following? You know? And all they can do is go to the Bible and say, well, Paul, didn't you read Ephesians 13? It says, obey your leaders and submit to them. Well, Okay, give me a command, dude. You know, it's just because you don't like what I say in my commentary, in my inclusion, my drive for inclusion, just because you don't recognize inclusion as a strength in the body, right? And all you care about is harmony. We got to just a you know, harmony. <laughs> so, so I get a I get a comment that 
like I, a dismissive comment like, well, I'm not talking to you anymore because you're still unrepentant and you lied to me about reconciliation. And I'm like, no, I didn't lie to you. I reconciled already. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I had to look it up and I'm like, isn't there a story? Well, first of all, Job, we got the whole book of Job, which is kind of not the easiest thing to read. But the basic storyline is uh, this guy honored God, loved God, was a good dude, was was doing well, had nice crops, big family. And the enemy, Satan, came to God and said, hey, you know, I just, the earth, there's, it's not going well down there, man. And, and God says, well, hey, did you see my servant, Job? How great he's doing? He's awesome. My servant, Job. And Satan says, yeah, but, well, let's take that stuff away from him and see how he does. And God's like, okay, well, just don't harm him. You know? So all this stuff happens to Job. And Job doesn't, doesn't Job's not in on it. <laughs> he's not, he's not in on it. It's not a joke, but he's not in on the, what's going on. So Job's friends started counseling with him and say, dude, you know, you must have done something really bad, man. I don't know what it is that you did, but you are just really suffering, my friend. Oh, yeah. You must have sinned. So basically, that's what my elder did today, too. This week. He's telling me, like, I'm in a difficult situation because I've somehow sinned, right? And it's like, dude, do you realize how stupid that is? That is, like, ridiculous. And you're like an elder in the church who's supposed to like protect us from false teaching. Once again, more false teaching, my friends. And then I looked up in the New Testament too. I was like, is there, didn't somebody do something with Jesus and say something like, um, who sinned, the kid, the child, or his parents, right? And I seem to remember Jesus going, nah, no, neither one sinned, right? So, I haven't been reading the Gospels much, so I read John. I found it in John chapter 9. And I'm like, holy cow, this whole chapter is dedicated to um, Jesus healing a blind man. So he's an adult. So the whole chapter 9 is about this blind guy. And then it even continues into chapter 10. And then... It's referred to in like chapters 11 and 12, the blind man. So I'm thinking, wait, my new way of kind of like looking at the big picture in the Bible, I'm like, fascinating. Because so often in Protestant churches, they do a deep dive on just one or two verses and talk about it for 40 minutes. And I'm like, that can be useful, but I think we overdo that. It's like such the norm to deep dive on a small thing. So I was just fascinated by John 9 and 10 the other day. And of course, I'm thinking like, dude, this elder of the church, he's basically acting like a Pharisee. You know, they hated Jesus. So in some ways, I think these guys hate the, the way Jesus and the Holy Spirit is represented in my life. And that I'm just trying to be inclusive and I'm not harmonious. So they're like pissed because I'm like not harmonious. But they don't have the language or the framework to see it. 
right? Plus, they don't see quite a bit of things. So. <laughs> it's obviously the guy doesn't see how he's acting like Job's friend and also ignoring John chapter nine. So the story is that no, the guy didn't sin, and his parents didn't sin. And Jesus basically said, I'm going to heal him. And guess what? Uh, I'm going to heal him, and it's going to show how great God is because he's healed, right? So there's even some spiritual tones here, right? Because it's, it's physically seeing is physical. But how often are we blind? I mean, I'm blind to myself. I mean, I'm trying to be more self-aware, but it kind of self-awareness comes from I don't know where. I think it's from the Spirit of God allowing us to see things, you know. It's kind of a healing. Self-awareness can be a healing process. And the healing process is kind of painful, right? So, um, the story goes on. And these Jews cannot stand that the guy was can, can see now. It's like amazing. It's like talk about fixed mindset versus growth mindset or abundant thinking, right? These Jews are like pissed that this guy can see now. And it's like, well, and he did it on the Sabbath. Like God, Jesus healed him. Like it wasn't a big deal until the Jews started looking at it. Like, oh, wait. And he even, he even, what, when did this guy get healed? Wait, what, yesterday? Like what? what? That was the Sabbath yesterday. What? Jesus healed this guy on the Sabbath? What the hell is going on here? Right? That's the Jews. I love the Jews. Like the Pharisees. And with my new dedication to macro Bible study, I guess I'd call it. I'd say, like, I bet you, you know, even Saul, his name would have been Saul at the time. He's not mentioned there, but he had to be in on it. He had to know what this stuff was going on. And they wanted to kill, kill Jesus. So no wonder Saul was kind of like protecting the status quo, the Jewish faith, the power structure, the leadership of the religion. Yeah, yeah, the Jews were pissed. And and it even says right there in chapter 9, like they were pissed and jealous because people were believing Jesus and the Christ. And he was healing people and seeing signs. And I just read it, like, again, I just like, don't, we, so often we pluck verses out and slap them on people like, oh yeah, yeah, here you go. Didn't you read John 6, 44? You know, no one can come to the Father except for me. <laughs> and so, so number one, I got the guy burnt. Now, I almost sent the guy an email to, to, to uh, chastise him, and I don't know how to deal with it. But I'm like, I'm holding back on that because I, I guess part of my maturity and growth is like uh, maybe not to punish the guy so much with verbally or whatever. Because it's just, I can tell like he's not, he doesn't like to be corrected, right? No, who does, right? Who does? So I, I'm usually not that sensitive to people, right? Because remember, I'm not harmonious. If, if I was more harmonious, I'd probably take a different approach than I have. So no approach is better than the approaches I've probably taken in the past. So I'm not 
not shoving it in his face right now. But it's it's like I still feel there's this battle in me. It's like, well, is this guy right though? Maybe I'm just an ass, which I know I am an ass. This is a there's a there's this spiritual battle. It's like our enemy mixes in truth with air, right? So yeah, there's a lot of evidence that I'm an ass, but there's a deeper reason for it, which is the inclusion, right? So people just want harmony. If you just want harmony, then you just want me to fucking go away. <laughs> but if you want inclusion, then you got to join in with with uh, accepting other opinions. I just can't accept opinion that's wrong. Like the opinion that, oh, you're such a sinner, so that's why you're you don't have a job. You know, that's just it's painful, right? You know. So I'm in the Joseph mode. The dude's in jail. He's, he reads the. Uh, or he interprets the dreams, the baker and the butler or whatever, get out of jail and they leave him in there for a couple more years. So, yeah, 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 growth, the Joseph growth took many years. It's not just those two years, but I think it was probably 15 years or something. I don't know. From the time he got thrown and sold by his brothers into slavery and when they, when he was elevated to his position within the Egyptian court. So, yeah, yeah. So what else did I do? So last night I said, you know, I feel like just reading the whole Gospel of John. You know, some people, I've heard so many people over the years like, oh, yeah, you know, if you're new to the faith, you should just read the Gospel of John, like, just read one chapter a day. It'll take you like three weeks, <laughs> which is probably good. You know, that could be good. But I decided, like, I wonder what it would take just to read it flat out. And that's what I started doing last night. So it, I got through. The, I said, okay, I got. There's 21 chapters. I'll read the first. I got to about the tenth in an hour. So I just took a just under an hour. Read one, two, one to ten. And I'm like, well, today I'll try to read the rest. I want to read the rest of it. And that's what I did this morning. So I finished it up. So I guess in total, you could probably do it in less than two hours. And, uh, but it took a while. Well, it took two hours. So um, I'm trying to get through a gate right now. And Bud... I don't know what's happening on these gates. There we go. Okay, we're in. And uh, so I read the whole book, and it's like you get a different flavor, I guess you'd say, or just different impression. And probably was the book written just to be read like that? It's like, okay, John writes the gospel. Here it is. Here, you got it. And from a writer's point of view, it's like, yeah, I'm writing it. I'm not, I didn't write it for you to like read a chapter a day for three weeks. I was like, just read the whole thing, man. So it gives you a different impact. So I'd recommend that to you sometime just to do it maybe in a 24-hour period. Just take an hour and read 1 to 10. And then the next day, read like 11 to 21. And just go, wow, what's my overall impression here? And it's kind of like John just gets right into the, the meat of it. And what I thought was interesting was 
well, one of the things that jumped out at me was, so Peter and Andrew were like disciples that were following John the Baptist and they switched over to Jesus. That was just kind of subtle little insert there. And John didn't make a big deal out of calling all the disciples. So the, the gospel of John is quite different than Matthew and Mark and Luke, which are more fact-based, more knowledge-based. And John is more, what, what were the important things that happened? Right? What were, you know, this is, I hung out with this guy. I joined up with him. This is what's happened. And you get a flow. And you see, to me, the impression I walk away with in a quick reading like that is Jesus was really like arguing a lot with the Jews. You know, he he just was doing his thing. And you get the complete story, even the resurrection and so, and so forth. And it ends well. And it's just a, it's just a refreshing way just read the whole thing and then what's your impressions and i'm like well what sticks out to me is just this arguing and how much these jews hated the guy <laughs> they were they were jealous because of following right they were following him and it was just the beginning of this hatred and, and saul was probably there they were going to kill the guy and they did kill him and i got a kick out of like Conscious pilot's kind of like, well, what's wrong with this guy? I don't, there's nothing wrong with him. What do we, what do you want to kill him for? He's like, oh, he's king. He says he's king of the Jews. He's king. And, and then the, you know, pilot's kind of like, well, I don't know. It's just, I don't think he's, he's not, I interviewed him and he's not claiming to be a king in contrast to Caesar. And the Jews are like, oh, no, no, we love Caesar. We we're Caesar's our king. We love Caesar. <laughs> like, these guys then it dawned on me like what a bunch of liars right i mean think about it <laughs> the, Jew, the jews didn't like caesar they didn't want to be in caesar's rule right so they're just lying to Pilate, like oh we you know caesar's our king we love him you know you got to get rid of this guy <laughs> so people will like my friend the elder They'll just believe, tell themselves lies so they don't have to deal with me, right? So I kind of feel like Jesus a little bit right now. And that's okay. Like a friend of mine, you probably have to have a Jesus feeling sometime in your life. And my friend had it a couple years ago. He told me about going to church. and He was um, married to the head of the children's ministry at church so everybody loved his wife you know everybody loved his wife and she wanted to divorce him and i still don't know why i don't pry like exactly he, I, all i know is he didn't want to get divorced he didn't want to get divorced so he might have been a jerk like me <laughs> but, but, so so just because your husband's a jerk doesn't doesn't mean there's not hope for him to be less of a jerk. So anyways, they got divorced. But so his experience as Jesus, the real thing, was he was in church and a mother had like an eight or nine-year-old son. And when he sat down in the row, 
she got up and moved like 10 feet away from him. And he felt like that was kind of a, a symbolic of like he was being rejected because his wife divorced him and he's a bad guy and she didn't want her son to be close to a guy that was divorced. That, that's his perception of it. And it sounds reasonable. And he said that was an emotional experience where he kind of felt like, well, now I know a little bit more of how Jesus felt as being rejected. And uh, and that's his story. And, um, and I probably don't even understands the depths of it, but you can, I, I think I'm catching it now, this rejection over stupid things, you know, and uh, it's painful. So I don't know, maybe you have some rejection experiences in your life and it's painful. I mean, I, I'm just coming out of it. That's why my mood's a little bit better right now. Hey, John, my mood's a little bit better right now because I have, to, I have to remind myself, it's just one guy. It's just one group of people, which really, I mean, they're not that impressive. I mean, they keep talking about how they want to grow the church. And they've been three, four, five hundred of the same people for 25 years. Meanwhile, it must really cheese off the leadership, but there's another church that probably started with two, three, four hundred people, uh, you know, 20, same time frame. And now they probably have like three or four thousand people there. And so, plus, that's what I just must be bugging them because it's like, well, you know, we got it figured out, man. We're the best. And it's like, oh, really? Okay, so this is the this is the two or three hundred people in town that are super serious about stuff, and they got it really figured out. When the reality is, the other Holy Spirit is that Mike guy and Vicky just drove away. They're going to the three thousand person church, and uh, as Mike would say. Sometimes the Holy, he, he actually flat out said it. He goes, sometimes the Holy Spirit just leaves, you know, he just leaves, you know, and, and intellectually they say, oh no, oh, well, yeah, we, we believe, of course, it's part of the gospel. <laughs> it's part of the gospel, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, you, you, you believe the gospel, man, you know, then of course, you know, automatically you get this mysterious Holy Spirit. So, uh, are there deep lessons I'm giving away and insight for free? For free today. Yeah. So, I didn't really do. So, what's this book about? So, let me try that out. Um, it's 52 minutes, almost 52 minutes in here. So what's this book about? Well, it's been about a six or year journey, maybe reading the Bible, 
trying to really just get the big picture of the Bible. And then after a while, I realized this goes back to my core conversion. You say, I I grew up knowing knowledge of the gospel, the knowledge of Jesus dying for sins, but it didn't mean anything to me. Much like much like Saul seeing Stephen stoned and and rounding up Christians, much like Paul. It was only when God intervened. And, and then it turns out later I would realize that that's true. It's, it's he reached out with his Holy Spirit and opened my mind to the deeper um, connection to these facts. So we can, quote unquote, preach the gospel, but it's only until the Spirit enlightens us. And that happened for me 40 years ago. But then it's like so quickly gets snuffed out by knowledge and churches and denominations that represent themselves as holding this, ama- this ama- amazing truth. So they hold it and, uh, and become exclusive. And so, and so this has been a constant nagging in my heart and soul because I want to include everyone. So these groups, doesn't matter which denomination, just by their nature, are exclusive. And I just it's just not the heart of God. So I, I, out of frustration, I'm writing this book, and I'm like, where did this go wrong? And I'm like, well, the Reformation is a really important time. It's been 500 years. I'm like, Martin Luther, what did he do? And he wrote the, he had these solas, he had like sola scriptura, and he stood, he fought against the Roman Catholic Church, and there was only one church at the time, and, and then he had by faith alone, and he was battling against things that were going on in the church. And and it kind of continued, and that's where the Reformation began. It became more about the scriptures, and he was able to print books and knowledge, and people's knowledge grew. And then, and, and at the same time, God was working to, to open up uh, travel to the U.S., and people were moving and migrating to other countries, and this new country formed after that. And, and, and a lot of it was on religious freedoms and people came here to get away from monarchy in Europe and this amazing country grew and it's only been a couple hundred years. And yet we know God has been forever. He's eternal by definition of God. So I, I realize I, I likely have gone back into just the knowledge part of it. So then as I read, things jump out at me and that is, Acts 18.19. It's Apollos. There's lots of accurate teaching about Jesus. And yet, you know, did you receive the simple, um, single most important question, SMIQ? The single most important question is, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? It's right there. It's been there the whole time. And I, I haven't heard anyone preach about it. And... They, I must be skip over it because it's too complicated. And I think the general consensus is like, well, if you're baptized and you went through confirmation like I did and stuff, oh yeah, you get the Holy Spirit as a bonus. It's a bonus. You get the Holy Spirit as a bonus. And I'm like, no, the Holy Spirit is not the bonus. The Holy Spirit is the thing, right? So there's not much discussion on the Holy Spirit. It's just kind of thrown out there like, it's there, but not many of us, it's hard to articulate what it is. So I'm attempting in this book 
to emphasize walking in the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, which I do not have, max love, maximum joy. And that's where I, I needed the Gaussian distribution curve to um, show that this is about sanctification, it's about growth, it's like making steps in the right direction. And also to help with comparisons, which later came out as to be this witty witham thing. So witty witham is, what is that to you? You follow me. That's Peter. After he was just re restored, that's what the people say, he's like in the last part of the Gospel of John, he's restored. And yet, right away, Jesus tells him something about his future. And he's like, well, what's going to happen to John? He's like started comparing himself with John. And Jesus sternly said, well, what's that to you? What is that to you? You follow me. And that was also enlightening for me in that I need to stand in that place too. I need to stop comparing myself to other people and just live the calling uh, of, of, my, of my life. And again, that, that, dove, that works into, I was going to say dovetails, which I don't like words like that, but I, it came to mind. <laughs> so that's just who I am. But it, it kind of came into the, um, what's my calling? And I have to say at this point, my calling is to say, hey, folks, all of us need to find our calling, walk with the Lord, walk in the Holy Spirit, sola spiritu ambulatio, walk in the Spirit every moment, every day. It's hard to do. It's not, I don't have it mastered. It's a continual renewal in my soul. So that's what the book's about. And then it sets up a, a reading plan that kind of points out how the Holy Spirit worked throughout not only the book of Acts, but through Paul as he went forward. And you see it in his writing. And you see how he comment, comments to the various churches and groups that were forming through his ministry as he traveled through that, that part of the world. So that, that's the book in a long version, longer version. And um, yeah, I got to practice doing that. I think that's, that's a good idea for me to do that. Um, practice talking about the book. And that idea was kind of like a throwaway comment from my coach who just kind of was like, yeah, you did that. And on March 17th, I said, I got a PR talk. So I think I'm going to ask the PR talk. I got 90 minutes. So I'm going to ask her like, what tips? It's probably on the, on board, and maybe I'll look for it myself before I ask. But uh, either way, it's Sunday, and what did we say it was? Did we say it was January what? What are we at? 19. 19. January 19. And uh, the Green Bay Packers are playing the San Francisco 49ers. So may the Pack win and go on to win the Super Bowl. But... Uh, yeah, that's where we're at. So, we shall walk in grace, mercy, and peace today. Amen.